Well, top of the morning to you. It's our Tuesday morning key market drivers call for April the 4th. There's our contact info. As always, love to hear from you. So let's just get after it here. Uh, we've got a few things, and I think top in the list here, obviously, is uh, late last week, we got the planning intentions report from the USDA. We got the March 1 stocks report from the USDA. Uh, we will show you all the report output, but the executive summary version is this. Bit of an acreage supply surprise. <clears throat> and I'm not going to brag too much on Bill, but the acreage surprise is exactly what Bill told us it was. We ended up with a little bit fewer bean acres than the market was looking for, and a bit more, quite a bit more corn acreage, more than a million acres additional corn ground than the trade was looking for. So, but you might ask when I get to the corn slide, well, why were, was corn prices up anyway, uh, even though everything else was up also? Uh, the reason is, and I'll talk about this a little bit, but it goes with the picture that we've got on the right-hand side of this slide. Um, the market is already discounting the extra corn acres because of so much snowfall, so much snow sitting up in the northern plains. I think Fargo, before, this is a forecast, by the way, this isn't snow cover right now. This is what's forecast to come here later this week. Uh, Fargo, I think, already had, Nate, didn't they already have close to three foot of snow on the ground? Oh, yeah. I mean, two. it's, yeah, we saw that uh, that video that Dave Mack's nephew sent in, and he's walking his dog on the sidewalk. <laughs> it looked like, I mean, it, it was unbelievable. And that's just, yeah, that's just snow. It was two, three feet deep. Last Thursday morning, my buddy Barry left Fargo, and it was 26 below windshield and about somewhere between 20 and 24 inches on the ground. Wow. And they had snow between then and now and this what you see here is forecasted yeah that is uh that is crazy so uh i thought it was illegal to even start talking about prevent plant before uh mid-april but uh there is already a lot of talk and i'll show you a slide here in a minute a lot of that extra corn ground sh has shown up in north dakota and minnesota now you might ask why the extra corn ground up there well we had a ton of stuff that got prevent planted last year because it was too wet so Maybe there is something to this. I have scoffed quite a bit at the whole prevent plant this early, but uh, there is an enormous amount of moisture uh, up there. So we'll develop that story a little bit more as we get into the slide deck here. Came to work yesterday morning to find out that uh, OPEC, uh, OPEC Plus, our dear friends at OPEC Plus, have cut crude production again, this time by about a million uh, barrels a day. That has sent uh, petroleum markets higher. Uh, as you know, when petroleum markets go higher and energy markets go higher, uh, veg oil prices go with it. So that's probably, I think that's certainly the biggest item that's rising, raising uh, veg oil prices this week. Uh, another theme that we are bringing up again, because it is the season, you know, um, got our uh, winter wheat conditions yesterday. Scott will talk about that in a minute, but we just can't quite buy a rain. Uh, down there in hard red winter wheat country. So we will uh, we will talk about that. Again, when you look at the uh, all the snow we got up in the Dakotas, that's also where we plant a lot of spring wheat. And uh, that's not looking all that great either. So that's what is causing the wheat market to react. And then to kind of continue developing a story here uh, that started, I think, what last week, Scott, or late the week before, <clears throat> Cargill announced they were pulling out of Russia. Viterra announced that they were pulling out of Russia. And now uh, Archer? No, no, Louis Dreyfus. Oh, Dreyfus is yep. is, uh, is pulling out of Russia. So 
You know, there's a couple different spins I've seen on that. Spin number one is, well, you got the big grain firms pulling out of Russia. That's going to uh, affect their ability to export this gigantic wheat crop and wheat crops in the future. However, the other side of that is, well, the Russian government now gets to step in and take control of them, which they seem to like to do anyway, right? Well, and if you add the, if you look at how much those three firms exported last year and had their fingers on, it's something in the neighborhood, well, it's less than 10%. Let's put it that way. It's, it's, it's less than 10% of what was shipped last year. So it, it, true, it's not a big, you know, that's the first thing I read was, oh, it's not going to be a big deal. In fact, the Russian government said it's not going to be a big deal. Um, well, I, I think it is a big deal. It's certainly uncertainty. Let's put it yeah. that way. The uncertain, uh, you know, Putin premium strikes again. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. So, at any rate, let's uh, let's keep moving here. Uh, kind of already talked about the OPEC thing there and the uh, what's going on in Russia. Uh, we'll talk about the prospective plantings report there. We will also talk a lot of stuff here this week. We got our first. So excited yesterday afternoon. We got our first uh, weekly Monday afternoon planting progress conditions report. Uh, a little early for these to necessarily mean a whole lot, but we did get our first glimpse from Uncle Sam as to what the uh, winter wheat conditions looks like. So, and then of course next week we will get our uh, what is that next Tuesday I guess. Yeah, it's next Tuesday. Next Tuesday we will get our April WASD. Now, everybody gets all excited about um, <clears throat> the April WASD because it has the new acreage numbers in it, but I would argue that. <clears throat> it's not too big a deal because we know what the acres are. They told us late last week when we got the, the uh, prospective plantings report. And we know what yield they're going to use because they always use trendline yield that they showed us at the Outlook conference, right? But so, they won't show us the new 23-24 column until May. Well, that's true. That's a good point. We won't get that balance sheet until we get to May. So, yeah, I don't know that the uh, April report ought to be anything uh, overly er uh, earth-shattering. It's kind of like the February and March WASDs. Uh, it's kind of uh, the perspective planning's report. That report we got last week is uh, uh, seems to steal the thunder. So, at any rate, here's what the report said. Let's start briefly up here on the top with stocks, corn stocks, wheat stocks. Not a whole lot of uh, real good info there. Look at that soybean stocks number. Uh, a good bit below trade expectations. Uh, this, in my mind, kind of raises the specter. I wonder if the USDA has. Uh, actually uh, overestimated the size of this crop that we're using right now. Bill says probably not going to see the USDA do anything, even with the residual this year. Um, or they wouldn't do that until this. late, though, right? August? Uh, yeah, but I think... Or September, the September this report? Kinda, I think, increase. Yeah, but, well, yeah, they probably won't change anything until we get the SEP1 uh, stocks report, but... Uh, I think the reason that this chilled the market a little bit, the reason that that stocks number was also bullish, just like the, the acreage number on beans, is because, remember, we already had a pretty damn snug balance sheet. The USDA was at 210 million bushels. As I told you before, that is right on the ragged edge of enough versus not enough, and we have to ration. And <clears throat> um, that even, I think, increases that risk further. So, We'll see what the next one gives us. Uh, remember, there's the, the USDA counts commercial stocks. They estimate on-farm storage, which uh, is a bit of a dicey proposition, and they've known to screw it up, up before. So um, we will see, I guess, on subsequent stocks report, but that's a little bit bullish. And then when you get down here in the acreage piece, look at this. More bean acres, 
uh, more than a mil, or excuse me, more corn acres, more than a million additional corn acres in the trade was looking for about three quarters of a million less bean acres than the trade was looking for. And if you recognize those numbers, uh, it is because that is exactly what Bill has been forecasting. So um, as Bill would tell you, even a blind hog, you know, uh, finds an acre once in a while. But uh, to his credit, he kind of called that. I think farmers are planting more corn because of the reasons we discussed last week. Uh, again, I think when you look at all those prevent plant acres, uh, much of what was prevent planted in North Dakota, and I suspect Minnesota was uh, uh, was corn. Um, why was it corn? Well, that was probably the most profitable thing to prevent plant. So yeah, I'm going to plant. Yeah, I'm planting plant corn. Um, <clears throat> wheat acres, a lot more than the trade was looking for. Scott, what do you make of that? Well, I, you know, they true up the winter wheat acres, and you see there the winter wheat estimate was actually to be lower than what we saw in January uh, at 36, a little over 36.2. We came out in January at 36.9. So they went up 600,000 acres in winter wheat. That was, um, you know, a, a little bit of the crazy Ivan maybe that we were we were not expecting. Spring wheat acres were actually a little bit lower um, not only lower than the trade guesses, but lower than what we planted last year. That is um, perhaps a bit concerning. Um, a little more Durham acres, not surprising at all. I would have guessed that we would see um, as much or maybe even a little more spring wheat acres um, than what we saw a year ago, but that's not the case. So Yeah, and I think as, as we'll continue to develop the story a little bit more with the weather, I mean, the market is already worried about those acres not getting in again. Oh, yeah. Uh, like a, kind of a replay of last year, God forbid, worse. So we'll have to wait and see. It is still awfully, awfully early. Um, <clears throat> you see corn here up about 2.7% uh, last week. Uh, I've already been asked, well, where are corn prices up if the uh, we got bearish acreage? Well, already touched on that. First off, when beans are going up as explosively as I'll show you here in a second, uh, corn is actually probably getting drug along a little bit. And the other part of it is just the whole, yeah, but those acres aren't going to get planted story because of the weather. So you see in the bullish market factors, uh, I was, uh, I just felt like I had to put that, are you kidding me, uh, in there in the parentheses because it's too early. But, I, hey, I get it. Um, got a lot of snow on the ground. We got a lot more snow coming. Uh, is Mother Nature going to warm up fast enough to get the snow melted off? The soil dried out and the soil temperatures up to the spot where you can plant. Remember, you can plant wheat acres in a lot colder soil than you can plant corn acres. And I think that's going to be I think maybe the corn might be uh, considered to be in a good bit more jeopardy because they got to get the corn planted early and they got to have the soil a hell of a lot warmer. What is it like 55 degrees to germinate? If, yeah, corn? but I'm not sure that you can drag a, a drill through snow, you know. <laughs> well, you got to get the snow melted. Oh, first, okay. So. okay. Yeah. <clears throat> so uh, I, I guess we will see. I got a good chart to show you this other bullish one uh, right here. This is part of that same story. On the bearish side, that, that is lots of acres if we can find a way to get them in. Uh, we got plenty of soil moisture. Again, if we can find a way to get the acres planted, I think we did chose not to put that map in that you found, Scott, uh, this morning from, uh, uh, I think, from Farm Doc Daily. But we are way above normal precip in the central and eastern corn belt too and i haven't heard a lot of chatter over there about hey it's too wet to get this stuff planted probably because it is truly too early over there but um i guess we complain a lot not enough moisture some years too much moisture others but 
Say, uh, Dave. This early in April, but that's a developing story. Yeah. So it'd be interesting to go back and look and see like the last five years, you know, from from planning intentions until actuals. You know, obviously corn is the one that ends up getting nipped because of prevent plant, but what is that? What is that number been every year? In other words, we're given this number for corn acres this year for and, and the uh, prospective planning, but knowing that we never hit that number, right? I mean, because it's, it's always it's always or I How shouldn't much, say always. The perception for me in my mind is that we always come in lower than that. Maybe I'm wrong. No, that, that's I don't. With all due respect, I don't think that's a correct because I think the USDA will use kind of an average prevent plant type number. They don't they don't assume zero, so that you're always uh, below it. Um, in a good planting season, you get a lot of acres. Uh, Bill, we've actually got a slide I can see it in my head that Bill produces uh, that's got the total pool of acres in the bar. And then one color is what was prevent planted that year, and the other color is what actually got in. Now, I don't think it's just corn. I think it's total pool. But to your point, that would be an interesting uh, that would be an interesting slide to take a look at. And so, maybe I'm just jaded living in that part of the country where the ground is still white, thinking, how in the hell do we ever plant anything? <laughs> right, I get it. Well, this is this is the change in corn planted areas. We borrowed this from the Van Trump report. Um, you might ask, why in the hell would North Dakota be planting so much more corn this year? Those are the prevent plant acres. That's the stuff that didn't get in last year uh, that is in the USDA number this year. So, in other words, you're comparing the USDA perspective plantings to what actually got planted in North Dakota last year after a lot of acres didn't make it in because it was so wet in the Red River Valley. The two states, by the way, this number right here is wrong. It's I think it's supposed to be 3.76 in Indiana. So the two states with the biggest increase in corn planted area in last Friday's report are also the two states that are under snow in a lot of those planting areas as we speak. So we'll see, but the markets wanted to talk about this already. Probably too early to talk much about planting progress. Uh, we've got a grand total of 2% of the corn crop planted. Almost all of that is in Texas. So um, both all, fields, as they say, right? So well, got, once planted. They got one of the two fields planted. Um, so I think we will kind of uh, sail past that. Scott, why don't you take us through the wheat side of things? Well, we've bounced on prices, as you know. Uh, you can see there up at the top that um, we were up in, in uh, Chicago just a little bit. Kansas City was where, and, and Minneapolis was where we saw the, the biggest uh, changes week over week. Um, but but today, uh, you know, we, we talked a little bit already about the acres that came out last Friday. Um, but today on, on Tuesday, April the 4th, we're talking about those conditions, mainly on the winter wheat conditions, um, hard red winter wheat conditions. As, as Dave always says, the technical term right now, suck. Um, Honestly, it's not looking too good on spring wheat, but again, we haven't planted any spring wheat, and that's probably why we're going to be a little bit worried about spring wheat acres. Um, but conversely, the soft red winter wheat um, acres look pretty good. If you take the six main hard red winter wheat states, we come in at an average of 21.5% good to excellent. Now, versus a year ago, we were 20.8 a year ago. So, you know, you could you could argue that we were actually a little bit better than we were a year ago. Um, but I would say this, uh, nationally we're at 28%. That's the lowest we've been, good to excellent at this time of year since 1996. 
on uh, uh, at the end of November, we were 34% good to excellent. And a year ago, we were 30% good to excellent. You know, uh, what does that all tell you? I, I, I think it tells you a, a couple of things. Number one, usually we can't really hang our hat a lot on uh, uh, conditions at the beginning of April. What happens in April is usually the, the thing that we're really focusing on. This year may be a little bit different because, you know, it is that bad. Kansas is the largest hard red winter wheat producing state. They're only at 16% good to excellent versus 32% a year ago. Um, can, you know, th there are certainly some of those Kansas acres that are going to get abandoned. Um, but we're very quickly migrating from what would be around a 650 million bushel a hard red winter wheat crop to something that is, you know, less than that. Well, so certainly less than that, and uh, hopefully we can keep it above 600 here for, uh, for the year. Yeah, troubles in two of the three weeks. Soft wheat looks good. Yeah, soft wheat really <laughs> does look pretty good. 62 percent, uh, good to excellent. Uh, nothing to be uh, too worried about there. Now, again, it's very very early, but somebody if wanted to whine, you could say, well, it's too wet over there. Yeah, we got a mountain of moisture in the ground that. Uh, as it warms up, that ought to really help that crop uh, take flight here. So um, you already kind of touched on that, I guess, a little bit. Yeah, nothing to worry about there. So we look at the soy complex. Uh, you know, the uh, we have been pointing out here for really the better part of the last oh, probably month and a half. Uh, you know, we talked about right after the Outlook Conference in the third week of February that that even with average crop size, uh, even with average yields, uh, we would certainly the soybean balance sheet would recover from the very, very tight situation it appears to be in this year to levels that are tolerable, but it's hard to get to burdensome where that's not necessarily the case, at least on paper, with corn if we get the acres planted and grow a crop. So the fact that we got lower stocks numbers on corn, as I showed you in last Friday's report, and a lower acreage number, we've kind of seen the soy complex kind of take flight here. Uh, soybean prices and oil prices up almost five and a half percent last week. Uh, meal is kind of trying to keep up a little bit, just less than 5% higher, about 21 bucks higher on meal. And a lot of that was, uh, you know, this market was trending higher before the report, uh, and that just uh, accelerated things uh, on the way up. So on the bullish side, clearly few, fewer acres, um, a, a snug new crop balance sheet, even with normal weather. And I think that's, uh, like I said, when you combine the, the smaller acreage number and the lower stocks number, that typically sends a chill, and it did. Uh, markets are heading higher. And when it comes to the veg oil, clearly the, the higher energy prices, that's probably the bigger story. I mean, why are why is oil going up? Well, oil's going up because beans are going up. Now oil's going up because energy's going up because of the link to renewable fuels. So uh, off we go. On the bearish side, as I'll show you here in a minute, the specs are still pitching. Um, Reducing positions in all three legs of the soy complex, can, they continue to be. Uh, corn is down to not much uh, as well. I think the spec is finally about even on the corn side of things, too. And still, we've got this big Brazilian crop. You see this bullet I've got up here. Uh, Stonex basically just, uh, I think, surveys their, their uh, soy, Brazilian soybean customers. That is a monster crop. Uh, that is the biggest estimate that I've seen, and that's from people down on the ground down there. 157.7 million metric tons to give you some perspective. Uh, I think the USDA is what, 152 or 153 million metric tons. The prior record crop 
is 139 and a half or so million metric tons. So we do have a very large crop uh, down south. And in the veg oil side, I mean, they, they we're still trying to gin the, uh, the the bullish palm oil story up. I told you a couple of weeks ago that, you know, while we were trying to gin the bullish palm oil story up, a funny thing happened on the way to the bull market. Uh, everything else went down and drug palm oil down with it. Well, now that energy is going up, now that soybean oil has kind of found its feet a little bit here um, and started going up last week, palm oil is trying to resurrect the bull story. Uh, up 55 bucks last week, a little bit over 6%. Uh, and again, I, I, I wonder if this isn't a bit of a, a short-lived uh, rally here, depending on how high energy goes, because yes, stocks are likely to fall to below uh, 2 million metric tons. Uh, Stabro's forecasting somewhere just under 1.9. That's not exactly tight, um, but it's, it's, it's snugger when you start getting under 2 million metric tons. But you know, as I got here, yes, stocks are going to fall below 2 million metric tons, but gee, many Christmas, these trees, as we get out into April and May and certainly the summer months, uh, with all the moisture they've had, ought to start producing quite a bit more, and we should see that stocks number, I would think, pop right back up. So we'll see where that goes, but uh, really probably energy is the biggest thing driving the veg oil markets right now. What do you got on dairy? You want to go to the next one? Yeah, the, the big news this week was we got our Fed February products report, uh, which is on the slide right now. Um, not a lot of news. Remember, this report is kind of uh, quite a bit in arrears, as you know. Here we are in April and we're looking at February. But um, the cheese production was a, a little bit uh, disappointing, um, a little over 1.1 billion pounds. Um, that's over twice as much of a monthly loss as what we normally have uh, uh, over the last five years. We lost uh, almost 96 million pounds from Jan to Feb, and usually we're only losing about 44. Um, remember, obviously, February has 10% less days than, than the other months. Um, now, daily production was a little bit higher, but we'll see. Now, new, uh, on the butter side of things, uh, neutral uh, kind of came in about as expected, 186 million pounds. Uh, down a little bit, 15 million pounds month over month versus usually a little bit of a gain. Um, so our year-over-year -year growth should help offset that monthly decline. When you go to the next slide and, and we talk a little bit more about prices, cheese finally came back down to earth. Um, we were way up there at that 210 range and we dropped all the way back down to 180 trying to figure out what the heck happened for those two like weeks. crazy Ivan in the cheese market. It was a buck 80 something forever. It runs to 210 and turns around and goes right back down. Yeah, I read uh, two or three different stories on this yesterday of people trying to uh, explain their way about why this happened. And, and um, I don't know that I came to any conclusions, quite honestly. Um, interesting that the spot and block uh, market is back to zero. Uh, absolutely unchanged on that block versus barrels yesterday. Otherwise, I, I think we're kind of running uh, right back to where kind of where we ought to be. Um, uh, Cheesemakers are running pretty strong and the milk is still fairly cheap. When you look at butter, <clears throat> we had 11 lots trade last week. Um, prices really haven't gone anywhere. Usually we see a little bit of a dip in the spot prices after we get past Easter. Certainly, uh, anything that was run for Easter is already uh, on the shelves. Um, is that going to happen this year? Or are we going to kind of follow a trend? We'll have to see. 
Um, otherwise, you know, the cream cheese production is kind of backed off a little bit. Um, and, and so the next thing we'll be watching there will be ice cream production uh, very soon. But, um, uh, you know, cream's fairly cheap, cheaper than it was a week ago. And, and uh, they're still running pretty decent across the country. It seems like the whole spring flush seasonal that we've become very accustomed to has kind of gotten muted a bit, at least in recent years. So, well, and here we are with with only one month gone, and uh, uh, well, no, just beginning the first month of the yeah. second quarter. Maybe we'll start to see that here soon. Um, we're not going to hold it. my breath. Yeah, we're going to see it. It better be soon, I would think. Wanted to real quick show you the CFTC report. The selling continues. This is what I was talking about on the earlier on the soy complex slide. Uh, spec is uh, continues to build a teeny tiny little short position in bean oil, not significant. They continue to reduce. That's still a big position in meal, but that was over 30% three weeks ago, two weeks ago, something like that. Spec is also back to neutral corn, which it's been a while there. Spec's been long corn quite a bit for quite a while, not nearly as long as bean oil, but pretty good little short position in Chicago wheat. Still, yeah, that's still a little bit unusual for this time of year. Normally, they they roll into the spring with no chips on the table. Yeah, that's uh, that is a little bit surprising. Seems uh, odd a bit too with what's going on in the Black Sea and yeah, maybe, maybe they're getting ready to unwind that thing. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? What do you got for us on weather, Paige? Yeah, so this is a past week of precipitation totals across the U.S. You can see, obviously, kind of what we've talked about on a lot of this call honestly, is the kind of Corn Belt and even Northern Corn Belt um, kind of still has been getting some good precipitation. Um, that sounds all well and good before planting, but like we've talked about earlier, uh, North Dakota is buried in snow, um, which will likely have some planting implications. Um, maybe a little bit too early to kind of figure out exactly what that means at this point, but um, the only other thing to call out on this past precipitation map is those winter wheat areas don't ha did not get a lot of rain um, this past week, and they really don't seem to be getting any in the near near term either. If you want to pop forward to the seven day forecast, I'll be darned, it's white in the panhandle again. <laughs> I know. I it seems because I run these maps every day for the Daily Wire, and I don't think I could tell you the last time there was anything even besides that very lightest grain shade over those dry areas they just cannot get any moisture down there it's um, like Argentina it's yeah, terrible honestly so I'm sure like two weeks after like the end of when they would need it I'm sure it will start raining there kind of like actually it it'll start raining when we're trying to cut it and we'll have <laughs> yeah. other quality oh, yep, problems you know, the thing that surprised me, though, Scott, that chart that you were showing with the average precip, mm -hmm. it showed that hardwood winter wheat country with for March for, for the month of March with a yeah. little bit slightly above normal precip. So that is a part of the world that doesn't usually get a whole lot of rain. That's why they grow wheat there. But still, I mean, that was uh, uh, it, it's been awfully, awfully dry. Mm -hmm. um, as far as the rest of the Corn Belt, it looks like they're going to get some good precip this week. Um, these are a little bit concerning, especially for those winter wheat areas. <laughs> Looks like it's going to basically be hot and dry over the next two weeks in those areas. Um, not ideal at all for those. I well, know we got a lot of we got a lot of snow to melt North Dakota, though. Yeah, we, we can. Well, but look that. at North Dakota. It's yeah, below it's average below. temperature. So. Oh, yeah. Jeez, <laughs> Christmas. Oh, you can't make this up. Um, 
Yeah, so not not an ideal longer term forecast. It seems like the rest of the Corn Belt has gotten enough precipitation um, that this is not really going to affect too much, especially as we start kind of creeping into planting here a little bit. But um, yeah, the areas that either need to be hot and melt snow are going to be cold, <laughs> and the areas that need rain are going to be warm and get no rain. So not ideal U.S. forecast there for those areas that need it. And I think maybe next week or a week after we'll have to take a look at it, but uh, probably about time to start including some of those soil temperature maps and, mm -hmm. you know, go back to last year and look at the, I know we have a map, I can see it in my head, that's got the temperatures for each of the different crops uh, where the seeds to, to germinate, the soil temperature you need. So mm -hmm. where do you want to go now, Paige? You want to go to South America? Yep, that works. Um, these forecasts look a little bit better. These are kind of showing some widespread spread rains across all of Brazil. Um, a lot of those heavier rainfall, kind of those orangey red areas that we've seen a little bit on the last oh, few weeks maps um, that kind of got some of those areas even a little bit too wet, some would argue. Um, those have kind of moved out a little bit. Looks like these are uh, just kind of more widespread, a little bit lighter rains, which I think is kind of what they're looking for at this point. And again, some areas you, they are arguing that it's still a little bit too wet, but yeah, it's otherwise well, it's once you get the crop good. in, once you get a crop planted, it's it's almost hard to be too mm -hmm. wet. Um, it'll be interesting to see. I think most of the safrina corn you're kind of going to plant from this this twenty, this meridian right here. Uh, in north, and so you're not down here in southern Brazil. You don't really have a lot of safrina corn planted. Uh, it's really kind of up in here. The closer you get to the equator, this is kind of the northern part of Mato Grosso. I think right about here where the tent is. Uh, if if you take that box that is uh, upper and lower, the northern south of a ten and the and the twenty, yep. and you take that box right there, that pretty much is Mato Grosso. Yep. Yep. So. All right, you got anything else for us, Paige? No, I do not. All right. Well, thank you very much. As always, we would certainly love to hear from you and hear your feedback. There's all our contact info. Um, and as always, be careful out there. <laughs>